What's up, church? How are we doing, everybody? Are you all right? Uh, so good to see everybody today. Uh, I want to take a minute. I want to welcome everybody who's joining us online right now. Come on, church. Can we welcome everybody who's watching online? So glad to have you with us today. Uh, y'all, we're just two weeks away from Easter. I don't know if you knew this. It's the Super Bowl of Christianity. It's coming. But I was telling the first service, the good news, good news is we've already won the battle. Jesus has alive. So I uh, uh, can't wait to celebrate that with you guys on, on Easter. I do want to take a minute and encourage you. Uh, Easter, it's an awesome time. Obviously, we just make it a priority. It's kind of like the first day of school. Everybody shows up. You know, it's really cool. Um, you know, it's, have you noticed this, parents? Like the parking is, anyways, um, everybody comes on Easter, but, but it's more than just getting together and being present, which is, there's definite significance in that. It's about what God wants to do uh, in our hearts and in our community. I really believe this because there's an opportunity. There's an opportunity to reach out. There's an opportunity to bring more people uh, to faith and help them find and follow Jesus. So I just want to encourage you as you get your Easter plans all figured out, you know, are you going to come Saturday? Are you going to come Sunday? Be thinking about who you could invite. Think about this for a moment. You could literally be the difference between someone coming to church and someone not coming to church, someone finding faith and not finding faith. God could literally use you to help open like people's minds to God. That's a pretty big deal. So uh, I just want to encourage you, be praying about that, be inviting, and let's believe God to do something powerful. Amen? Amen. So uh, awesome. And then, guys, fellas, my dogs, where you at? That's all right. That's right. Just amazing. That's what I just, I'm just saying church is better when we do that. I'm just saying church is just better when we do that. So thank you for that. Uh, men's breakfast coming up Saturday. I want to encourage you to be, be here. Uh, there's, it's powerful. Uh, it's seven in the morning, which is a little early. Uh, you know, it's a little early for a Saturday, but there's something powerful about it because it's, it's pushing the flesh. It's kicking the devil right in the mouth. While you have a piece of bacon hanging out of yours. I'm just telling you, there's something amazing about it. Um, and, and really what we're trying to do, we're just trying to get people encouraged. We're trying to, to let people know you're not alone. We're, we're in this together. We're going to listen to one of the greatest communicators that I've ever heard, Scotty Gibbons. Uh, he's coming, and so he'll be here. Uh, he'll be here for... Uh, Saturday, and then he'll also be here for Sunday next week. So we're, we're in for a treat. But I want to encourage you to be here. Make sure you sign up, y'all, so we can have enough bacon for you. Um, you don't want to be sitting outside of the bacon train if you come to men's breakfast. But it's going to be great. And the whole, the whole uh, goal of all of this is to build people, to encourage people. So we're strengthening the men with the men's breakfast. Uh, uh, men's conference is coming up. We have the Sisterhood Socials. Uh, which we had our leaders meeting on Friday, which was really cool. We had, I think, 60 girls out for that and getting ready for seven different gatherings that will happen on May 5th, which is gonna be just awesome, a great time of connection all across our city, which is gonna be just fantastic. Uh, so we're doing, we're doing that. Core night, uh, we, ha- we launched our season two of Core night on Tuesday. We had 160 people here, which was fantastic. Come on, let's give God praise for that. I just love it. I love it. This is what the church is about. The church is about helping all of us together find and follow Jesus. And so just so excited about what God's doing. All right. Uh, We're in a series uh, in the book of Matthew, and we're going verse by verse. And we're asking this question, wouldn't it be cool if we could see Jesus' ministry firsthand? 
If we could see him, what he did, and how he helped people, how he healed the sick, how he, how he uh, transformed people's lives, how he spoke truth, the miracles he performed, wouldn't it be cool if we could see that? Of course, the answer would be yes, right? That would, it would be yes. It would be so amazing if we could see it. But the cool thing about the Gospels is they're, they're more than just historical documents, or they're more, they're, they're more than just things that are written down by, by random people. These are people who saw Jesus firsthand. They watched him, and, and he so impacted their lives that they're like, we have to write this down, and we gotta get this out. And that's what we're doing in the book of Matthew. We're seeing Matthew, who watched Jesus, change everything. He changed everything, and he certainly changed Matthew's life because Matthew had been living for a different kingdom. He'd been living for himself. He'd been living for the world. He'd been living for money. And Jesus shows up at his tax collector's booth and says, come, follow me. Matthew leaves all of it, and Jesus changes everything about him. And he's inviting us in on this journey of life change. Jesus is trying to get us back to who he created us to be. And for the last several weeks, we've been in the Sermon on the Mount, which starts in Matthew chapter five. And it's basically Jesus's stump speech for the candidacy of rulership of our life. What does the kingdom of God look like? What does it look like? And how do we experience it? And so we've been talking about that in the last several weeks, going through the book of uh, Matthew, Sermon on the Mount. It's been fantastic. Jesus has been in helping us understand our motives, helping us understand our desires. And now he's going to get to this place in Matthew chapter six, where he's gonna help us understand our treasure, okay? We're gonna understand our treasure. And I can't say the word treasure without thinking of another word. Does anybody know what word that would be? Diamonds, Diamonds jewels. Who loves treasure, like really loves treasure? Pirates, right? Maybe I'm just, okay, thank you for that. Okay, okay. Um, I, think about, I think about pirates. Pirates love treasure. And I can't help but thinking about the most famous Famous Pirates movie of all time, Pirates of the Caribbean. How many of you have seen Pirates of the Caribbean? Just raise your hand, okay? A lot of us have, okay? Most, most people have seen Pirates of the Caribbean. And, and they're consumed, the whole idea of the movie is uh, that they're consumed with treasure, right? They're consumed with treasure. Like it drives that, it compels them. Everything they do, they want treasure. And when, when, when someone would ask Jack Sparrow, like, why are you doing this? He would say, because... I'm Captain Jack Sparrow, savvy? That was a really bad impression. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. I'm not doing it again. We're just gonna count our losses. We're just counting our losses. All right. Okay, so it's a Disney story. It's a Disney story, but it has some truth to it. It has some truth to it. Because what what ends up happening to the pirates? They all get cursed. Treasure consumes them, and then their lust for treasure destroys them. And that's actually true. And that's what Jesus is trying to tease out in this, in this section on the Sermon on the Mount. He's gonna be talking about treasure and trust. If you're taking notes, I want you to write those two words down, all right? Treasure and trust. And I wanna ask all of us today a question, is your trust in your treasure or is your treasure in your trust? That's what Jesus is gonna be teasing out. It's, it's a really interesting thought. And what he does is he puts this all in this section on the Sermon on the Mount that begins with treasure and ends with worry, and it's absolutely fantastic. 
Uh, before we jump in, though, I want to illustrate with something that is, that is a truth. We live in a very blessed time today, don't we? Like we have, we, ha- we are so blessed. How many of you have more than one set of clothes? Just raise your hand if you have one more than one. In, in Jesus' time, you would have been rich. You would have been rich. Um, uh, but even, even a couple hundred years ago, it, it was completely different. In the 1800s, check this out. We did a little research this, this week. We found out that in the 1800s, the average wage earner made $16 a week, $16 a week. Um, and, and, then, and then rent was $4, and, and you, you added all of the expenses together with groceries and whatnot, and their expenses, and I'm talking like basic necessities, $18.50 a week. So that's a deficit. For those of you who are paying attention, that's a deficit of So what do they do? They're already in the hole, 14%. What do they do? You know, dad's working. What do they do? They would send the kids to work, sometimes 12, 14 hours a day. I would like to advocate getting back to that. I think we've lost a little bit of our American heritage to sports and Fortnite. (laughs) <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, all right? Um, but today, it's different. Today, it's different. If you take the average uh, household in the United States, it uh, makes $1,500 a week, groceries at $300, rent at $236. That puts expenses at $536 with a surplus of $974 per week, 65% left over for everything else. So back in the 1800s, they were 14% deficit. Today, we're 65% uh, sur- uh, sufficient. Now, you're saying, that's a lie. Because <laughs> you don't feel like that, do you? You feel broke. <laughs> you feel like, I don't have enough, right? Now, here's a little test for this, okay? How many of you, and again, as every survey we do here, you, gotta, you have to answer correctly or God will kill you. It is church, okay? So this is true. <laughs> How many, of you, how many of you would say, how many of you would say that you in the last month bought coffee from a coffee shop? Okay, just raise your hand. If you bought, look at this. Come on, everybody. You bought, okay. All right, put your hands down. How many of you ordered something on Amazon in the last month? Come on, raise your hand. If your hand's not up, you're just lying. I know it. I just, it's. <laughs> Let me just break, put this in perspective. You pay money to a subscription so you don't have to go get your stuff. That's how broke you are. I'm just saying. (laughs) Just added benefit. How many of you have ever been frustrated when that thing took more than two days to get to your house? Come on. Yeah. You're like, three days? I'm I'm going somewhere else. I'm, I'm looking for a different seller. Do you know they have overnight delivery now in Kansas City? Oh, my goodness. God is good. Same day sometimes? It's been amazing. Like, I've ordered something, like, at 8 o'clock at night. They'll be like, do you want this the next morning? I'm like, yes, please. Wait, open the door. It's Christmas. You're like, what in the world? What? Where are we living? This is incredible times. We live so blessed. We have so much stuff. We have so much stuff. And in fact, we have so much that, that we have 
storage units because our big houses don't have enough room for all of our stuff. In fact, in America, there are 50,000 storage facilities. Everybody say, wow, that's a lot. You know how many square foot that is? 2.3 billion square feet of space for all of the stuff that we can't fit in our house. And yet, and yet, here's the point I want to make today. For as well as we are off, we're not faring so well. We're not doing so well, are we? And, and you can notice this. You can notice this with how anxious we are. And Jesus is going to, in this passage on the Sermon on the Mount, he's going to tie our treasures with our trust and show how we're anxious because our, our treasure's in the wrong place. And, and in fact, if you look today, we are really, really worried. We're worried. A study by the NIH found that anxiety between uh, 2008 and 2018 in 18 to 25-year-olds almost doubled, doubled the percentage of anxiety. That's 10 years, it doubled, but that's pre-pandemic. Since the pandemic, 2019 to 2020, the, on average, the anxiety in adults doubled. It doubled from 2019 to 2020, and then even since then, it's only come down a little. It hasn't gone back down to its pre-pandemic state. So what we have is about a third of American adults are dealing with severe anxiety disorders. And those, are the only, and those are the ones who are willing to say yes to the survey when asked. So here's what's crazy. We live in an anxious society and yet we're more well off than ever. Now there's a lot of reasons for the anxiety, right? There's a lot of reasons for it. So let's not be simplistic about that. I'm not trying, I'm not trying to do that. But one thing that we can definitively say is more money does not equate to less worry. In fact, you can maybe argue the opposite, that sometimes the more money that we have, the more stuff we have, the more worries we have. After all, more money, okay, see, wow, I love it. Jesus said this a long time before Biggie ever did in Luke chapter 12. He said, he said, watch out. Now, this is kind of cool. He's like, watch out, look out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And Jesus is telling this to people who, if they have more than two sets of clothes, are considered wealthy. So what's he he trying to say here is greed isn't about your stuff. It's about your soul. And you've got to be careful because you'll find yourself saying, I just need a little bit more. I just need a little bit more. In fact, another study was done and asked people about how much would be enough. How much would be enough for you to feel good? Have you ever thought about this? Have you ever gone down that little mental journey? If I just had, and you know what most people say? Double. Most people are like, if I, like, it's, it's like across the board. If, they, if I just had double, so if you're making 25, if I, just, if I just made 50, I would be amazing. You know what the problem is? The people making 50 are like, if I just made 100, and the people making 100, if I just made 200, and so on and so forth, no one ever feels 
like it's enough. Jesus says, watch out because that greed is going to get in there and it's going to work against satisfaction of your soul. It's not that money isn't useful. It's useful. It's just not ultimate. Come on, somebody. Because your bank account may be full and your sheets may be soft, but your soul can be stressed. And that's just the way that it is. And so Jesus wants to help us understand this because, again, the Sermon on the Mount is about him going past the surface level issues and dealing with the core. He wants to get us back to life, back to what he created us to be and who he created us to be and what he wants us to experience. And so what I want to do today is over the next several moments, I just want to walk through this verse in Matthew chapter 6. So if you have your Bibles, I'd I'd like to encourage you to follow along because I I just want to show you how this is one line of thinking. I'm I'm not going to be jumping around to a bunch of different verses. I I want you to see how Jesus intentionally ties this together so that we can understand that if our, if our trust is in our treasure, our trust is misplaced. But if our treasure is in our trust, then we can have soul satisfaction, all right? So if you're ready to jump in, say, I am. I am. Let's do it. Matthew chapter six. I just wanna walk through this and then I'll have two application points at the end and then we'll pray. Uh, starting with verse 19, he says this. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. He's saying, he's saying, don't pile up your clothes. It's a good word for us, church, right? Right? I mean, how many know the struggle's real? It's just, it's just like they just, because moths can destroy them. He says, don't, don't hoard them, don't pile them up. Don't hoard food. Rats can eat it. Rats can get in there and eat it, and you won't be able to stop it. What he's saying is temporary things are temporary. Temporary things are temporary. How many know this? Material things are fleeting. Have you ever experienced this? One day, your stock portfolio is just doing amazing, and you're like, yes. You're feeling like king of the world. Next day, it's not doing so amazing and you feel crushed by it. One day, crypto is killing it, and the next day, crypto is getting killed. Jesus is saying this, stuff makes a terrible place to put your security. And this is because you can't take your treasure with you. It's temporary. I have bad news for everybody today, bad news. You're gonna die. I know, it's hard to hear. It's hard to hear, isn't it? You're gonna die. I'm gonna die, you're gonna die. In fact, we are one, we're exactly 10 seconds closer to death than before I began this little, this little idea. It's depressing. But yeah, we're, 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 you're, every, it's, it, death is 100%. Everybody dies, unless the rapture, unless, unless Jesus calls us home before, okay? Even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly, okay? So yes. Barring that, you're gonna die. And you can't take your treasure with you. You can't, I, I don't know if you guys heard about the, the story of, of the man who was very stingy and, and he, he was a wealthy man and he told his wife, he says, when I die, I want, you to, I want you to put all of my money in that casket. I want all of it. And he says, and he says, 
And if you don't, I will haunt you from the grave. I will haunt you from the grave. And he says, agree. And she agreed. And so the man dies. And, and so the woman's at the funeral. And, and, and right before they close the casket, she takes the box from underneath her seat. And she goes and she puts it in the casket. And she, go, she goes back to her seat. And, uh, and her friend goes, you did not. You did not do that. You did not give that stingy man all of his money. Tell me you didn't. She goes, I did. She goes, I, 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 I told him, and I'm a Christian. I can't lie, so I didn't. I, I, put, I, I, I got all of the accounts together. I put them into one account, and then I wrote him a check and put the check in the box. <laughs> That's so good. How many know he ain't cashing that check? <laughs> You can't take your stuff with you. It's interesting. The Egyptians actually believed that you could. That's, that's why, like, a lot of their burial sites will have, like, uh, normal, like, everyday objects. They would put combs and, and plates and pots and pans in with their burial places. Or you'll see, like, the, the pyramids were all built for this to contain all of the treasure that they would be able to have access to during the afterlife. But then when they closed up that tomb... Then tomb raiders came and took all the treasure because you can't take your treasure with you. So Jesus says you can't take it with you, but he does say you can send it on ahead of you. Look at this, verse 20. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. So I gave you the bad news, you're gonna die. But the good news is if you're a believer, if you're a follower of Christ, you're going to heaven. Anybody say about that? I mean, that's the best news you could ever hear. This world is just, it's temporary, but the kingdom of God is eternal. That's the real kingdom. And he's trying to get us to understand this. This world is not your home. You are just passing through. You're just passing through. A few weeks ago, we took our kids on spring break. My dad kind of arranged this whole thing for my mom's birthday. So we went to the Caribbean. We had one day in the Bahamas. Come on, somebody. It was beautiful. We went on a boat ride, went snorkeling. It was amazing. Got to swim with a sea turtle. Amazing. I never thought it would be so cool. It was amazing. It was so, so much fun. And so, but we got back on the boat. We were there for one day, one day only. We we're just passing through. So even though I'm enjoying all this stuff, I'm like, I'm just passing through. This is not my home, unfortunately. I'm going back to Missouri. So this illustration kind of is the reverse effect of heaven, all right? So like... Bahamas is like, you know, we're here for one day, uh, but I live in Missouri, at least for now. But one day I'm going to heaven, which is better than the Bahamas. Come on, somebody. And, and, and that's, that's what Jesus is trying to get uh, across to us. This world is not your home. Here's the question. Do you believe that or not? Do you really believe that? Because if you do, then that idea will grip your soul and it will change everything about you. It will change how you Think how you act, how you live, how you give. Jesus says in Hebrews chapter 13, for this world is not our permanent home. Come on, somebody. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. And it is glorious. Heaven is going to be, if this world is awesome, how much better is heaven? It's going to be so much better. You know, there's a phrase, home is where the heart is. 
And if heaven is our home and we let that idea truly penetrate our hearts, then heaven should be where our heart is. And that will shape everything about us. And Jesus really punches this idea home with the next verse, Matthew chapter six. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He's showing us the relationship of our treasure and our heart. This is really fantastic because what is Jesus most concerned with, everybody? We know this, our hearts, right? What are we normally most concerned with? Our treasure, right? The stuff we can see. And he's most concerned about the stuff we can't see. So he says, Jesus is saying this, our treasure can lead our heart. Our treasure can lead our heart. Now we know that our heart leads our treasure. Anybody ever go shopping? You know, you're like, I see that, I want that. Are you scrolling on the gram? Look for something, you see something, you click. Apple Pay, double click, thank you very much, face ID, and it's coming to my house. <laughs> you know, it's like, you're, so your heart leads your, your treasure, but Jesus is saying, here's a greater reality. Your treasure can lead your heart. You can actually shape your heart by where your treasure goes. Now, here's, here's a way to prove this, okay? Now, this is not investment advice, so, you know, this, I just wanna qualify this. I'm not an investor, nor the son of investors. I don't, I don't know, but this is not investment advice. But if you need proof, take all of your stuff and sell it, and then take that money and put it in Starbucks. And then see if you start caring about coffee even more than you do right now, right? Like, just, you're gonna care about coffee. You'll be like, hey, have you tried Starbucks? You should try Starbucks. You know, you're gonna, be, you're gonna want Starbucks to win. If you see any news about Starbucks coming through across your news feed, you're gonna be very interested in it, right? Why? Because it's where your treasure is. So your treasure can lead your heart. And Jesus is ultimately concerned with our hearts because he gets this. He gets what this whole thing is about. And watch what he does. Again, I'm literally going verse by verse. He connects this idea to our eyes. Matthew chapter six. He says this, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? What Jesus is talking about here is how we see God. Because the way we view God will be the way that we see God. Some of you are like, I'm pretty sure he's saying the exact same thing. (laughs) How we view God is the way we will see him. Do you view God as a good God, a God of provision, a God who wants to bless you, a God who loves you and is a rewarder of those who seek him, or do you view God as stingy, capricious, a taskmaster who's out to get you? Because how you view him will be how you see him, and how you see him will be how you experience him. And how you experience him will be how you interact with him, and that will drive every aspect of your faith. So if you believe he's good, and he wants to do good, you will come to him, and you will pray, and you will believe God for great things. You will spend time in his presence. 
You'll, you'll want to be a part. You'll, you'll want to be in worship service. You'll want to go out on outreaches. You'll want to go on missions trips. You'll want to be a part of kingdom things because you just love being a part of the kingdom and you know that you can give generously because God will reward you and he will be no man's debtor. And the result that you will experience is less anxiety. It's less anxiety. That's, that's what Jesus is saying. And this has everything to do with who you will serve. Watch verse 24. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. No one can serve two masters. And the reality is everybody serves someone. Some of you are like, I don't serve anybody. United States of America, I serve myself. Oh, you do? Because if you do, then you are going to be led by your desires, right? You will serve somebody because our hearts are meant to have God at the center and as the greatest thing in our life. But, but he, will, he, he in his grace allows us the freedom to choose him. So you can choose to put whoever you want at the center of your life. If you put yourself, you will be selfish. You will be miserable. You'll be led by your flesh, and it will destroy you. If you serve other people, if you, you, know, if you serve your kids, if you make your kids the highest thing in your life, they will run your life. They will ruin your life, parents. They're not meant to be the center. Uh, if your spouse is the center, that, that is not a good place for, for your spouse. If stuff is the center, it will ruin your life. And your, and your desires will be corrupted. But if Jesus is the center, he blesses you. Money makes a terrible master, but a wonderful servant. Money is meant to be utilized under guidance of God to advance God's purposes. And when we do that, we, be ha we have less anxiety. When we don't do that, we have more. Now watch, Jesus ties us all together, Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? That word life in the Greek is the word CK, and it means inner self, heart, mind, soul. What is Jesus really trying to get us back to? Life, the inside, the thing that matters. And that's what we started this series all talking about. We, we started this series with the idea that John 10.10 was more than just a, an idea or a talk that Jesus had, but it was his mission for us that all of us would find real and eternal life, more and better life than we ever dreamed of. This world is trying to take away that life, and God is trying to give us that life. And, you, and it, comes, it comes down to how we view God, how we see him, and who are we going to serve who are we going to trust? And the question is, do you believe that God loves you and that God wants to take care of you? Because if you do, that will change everything about you. And Jesus points to verse 26. He says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? I love how he, basically saying worry is the most impractical thing we could ever do. Do you know that? 
It's the most, it's so impractical. It's a waste. It's a waste of time and energy and effort. Don't worry about it. Don't, don't worry. Don't worry about it. And, but, he, but he's saying, look at the birds. The birds don't worry. The birds don't, the birds don't stress out about life. They get up and they go out and they gather every day believing that God's gonna provide for them. Now, what he's not saying is don't work. Now, some of you be like, I'm gonna, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> I just go sit, and I'm gonna pray and let God provide. You have not because you ask not. Lord, I just believe. If that's your mentality, you probably won't eat either. So like there's, he's not, there's actually a lot of value in work. That's a whole separate idea, but he wants us to work. He just doesn't want us worried as we work. He doesn't want us stressed out. He doesn't want us, and I'll tie this here in a second, but he doesn't want us working for our own kingdom. Look at Matthew chapter six, verse 28. And why do you worry about clothes? Why do you worry about this? And these are, again, people who only had two sets of clothes. He's like, don't worry about it. See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. He says, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So don't worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans, the people who don't even know God, Run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. He's saying, don't, don't run around trying to accumulate and store things that don't really matter in this frantic way of, ah, I just got to get more. I just got to get more. I just got to get more. He says, no, no, don't do that. So what is he saying? Is he saying to relax? Kind of like Aaron Rodgers style? Relax. Is he saying that? No, not quite. He's saying seek. He says, don't relax, seek. Look at this, verse 33, that he's tying all of this together right here. But seek first his kingdom. Don't worry, seek. And his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Jesus is answering a question. Why are we more anxious than ever, even though we have more stuff than ever? Could it be because we're more focused on our kingdom than God's? Now, I'm not saying that, that we shouldn't deal with anxiety I'm, you know, appropriately. So uh, praise God for medicine. I'm thankful for technology and, and all of that. I'm thankful for all of that. And, and that's not what we're talking about. I'm talking about the unnecessary anxiousness of our society. I'm not talking about medical things. I'm talking about the unnecessary angst. Why are we there? Maybe Jesus is trying to tell us something 2,000 years ago. It's because we're more focused on our kingdom than we are on his. And if we would change that, then we would be more at peace. Two thoughts that I want to just close with. Number one, when your treasure is in your kingdom, you will be stressed. When your treasure is in your kingdom, you will be stressed. When your hope, when your trust is in your kingdom, you will be stressed. 
That's the pagans that Jesus talks about. They're running around. You know what pagans do? They're trying to conjure up God. They're trying to like make God respond. They're doing all of these things to make God like them. Like you're, 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 you're trying to do all of this stuff. You don't, it's like you don't know God. Don't be like that. And he says treasure in verse six or in chapter six, verse 24, he says, you cannot serve both God and money. That word money is the word mammon. It is the word, it's, it's the idea of the God of materialism. So he's definitely talking about money here. When all your finances on earthly things, your trust will follow, right? Because your treasure can lead your heart. So when all of your resource is on earthly things, where's your trust? Earthly things. So where's your peace coming from? Earthly things. And they're temporary. You can't trust them. So he's talking about money. But he's also, I believe, talking about the most important treasure of our life, which is our time. Right? That's the the most valuable thing you have is your time. And so I want to ask you, where do you spend your time? Do you spend your time thinking about God? Do you spend your time seeking God, looking for ways to bring God's kingdom to others? Or do you let the world pull you into this kingdom? And I think you you might be able to draw some parallels to the advent of a 24-hour news cycle. Come on, somebody. That's continually filling our minds with negativity and bad news, and all of the things that are going on, and all of the things we should be concerned about all the time, or the advent of social media, where it's all of the things I don't have, and all of the things people are doing that I'm not doing, and all of the things that are difficult in my life, and why isn't this, and why do they have that, and and I need to care about this, and I need to care about that cause, and I need to care about this, and I need to be involved in this, and oh man, I should be doing that, and yeah, that's right, I should be griping about that. I I wasn't angry this morning, and then I got online, and all of a sudden I'm angry. I was, I was having a great day. I woke up and five minutes into my social media little deep dive, I'm angry and ready just to take someone's head off. I wonder if we were less concerned with our kingdom and more concerned with God's, if we would be less anxious. That's what Jesus is saying. So when your heart is set on this kingdom, you will be stressed. But when your heart is set on God's kingdom, you will be blessed in every way. Verse 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things, all the things that you would be worried about, all the stuff that you're worried about. Your worries are legitimate. That's not what we're saying. It's just, we're saying that God knows what you're worried about. And he cares even more about your worries than you do. He's got this. Why? Because he's God and he's good and he cares for you and he has a plan for you and he wants to work his will into your life. The question is, do you see him that way? Do you view him as good? Do you view heaven as your home? It will change everything about you. So what do we do? I want to encourage you. Take a step in making God's kingdom a higher priority this week. If you're not giving to the kingdom of God, you should give to the, start giving. If you're giving, you should then try tithing. That's God's, 
That's God's expectation. If you're not serving, you should get involved. If, if you haven't taken any classes to grow your spirit, you should come to core night. You should get in a small group. Do the one-year Bible. We are, we, are, we are throwing everything we can at you. Men's breakfast, first Wednesday, sisterhood social. We are, we are trying to equip you to make God's kingdom the centerpiece of your life so that when you go out into your world, you can live this. When, when the worries of this world are coming at you, you're like, man, I'm so full of God. I don't got time for all of that. I don't got time for all of that nonsense because my heart is set on the kingdom we let the nonsense of the world ruin our life, and Jesus has come to set us free from that, y'all. If we would just let him, if we would just let him and make his kingdom the highest priority in our life, seek first the kingdom. God's got you, and God's got this. Amen? Amen. So seek first his kingdom. Would you stand with me all across this place? I want to take a moment in his presence. You know, we... In Christianity, a lot of times, a lot of times we, as pastors, we separate these passages. We separate the finance passage and the worry passage. We do two different sermons because it's a lot. I'll, be, I'll admit, that was a lot to cover. That was a lot to cover in one, in one sitting. So good job on you. You made it. I know. I'm exhausted too. So good, good job. But I, I wanted to show how the, the connection is there. Now, here's the thing about this. Who wrote this gospel? Matthew, who's a tax collector, who had sought first a different kingdom. He, he was living for Rome. He was living for money. He was living for status. And Jesus shows up and changes the game and sets him free. And he's like, oh, I just got to tell you this, y'all. This is truth. He makes sure to keep this in his gospel because he wants us to understand how powerful this is. What, what kingdom are you seeking? I want to encourage all of us to seek first his kingdom. Amen? Amen. Amen. Am I supposed to be praying for others to come down to the front? We're going to take a moment and respond in worship. I want to pray for you and pray for us as a church if, as we get ready to worship here in a second. If you have a need in your body physically, emotionally, if you want to give your heart to God, Give your life over to the Lord. Come on down. If you have trouble in your marriage, if there's a healing that you need, God is here. God is good. How do you see him? He is good, and he wants to respond. But for the, so please do as we get ready to worship. Come on down. We're going to pray for you. Believe God to do something powerful. There is power in prayer. For the rest of us, I want us to take a moment and just all set our hearts on God and say, God, we want to seek first your kingdom. Like, we want to do this for real. I don't want to play games. I don't know about you. I don't want to play games. I'm not interested in games. I'm not interested in going through motions. If this is real, I want it. Amen? I want the kingdom of God to have greater reign in my heart and my life. I want to experience greater peace in my life. And I want the same for you. Matthew does. Jesus certainly does. So let's just take a moment. Can we just lift our hands across this place and we just say, God, we welcome you. Father, we love you. And God, we thank you for this truth that when we seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, that we have nothing to worry about that you are a good God and that you want to do good things in our life. And so, Lord, we welcome you. We welcome you in and say, God, have your way. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Lord, we love you. And, and we just say, uh, we're, we're in. We're in on you, and we want all that you have. And so, 
come and have greater reign and dominion in our lives and our hearts. We love you, we surrender, and we say yes to you. Have your way in our hearts. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Let's worship.